everybody, and welcome to Mind the Gap, Enablix's only podcast seeking sales and marketing alignment. I'm your host, Nick Zeke Lopez, and this week I'm joined by Moni Aluide. Moni, how's it going? I'm great, Nick. How are you? Uh, so we were just talking about, uh, we have tried to record this uh, at least one other time. We've been plagued by audiovisual issues. I feel like we're going to figure it out um, uh, on this go around. This is going to be great. Um, but uh, so Moni, um, you're a household name. Everybody knows Moni. Um, uh, Tommy James and the Shondells, they made that one song about uh, a Moni Moni. But for those that don't, for the people that aren't familiar, could you tell me, um, uh, tell the people, what is it What it is that you do? Uh, who, who are you? Sure thing. Uh, I'm currently the Director of Marketing Infrastructure at Fidelis Cybersecurity, but I've been in the marketing operations, marketing technology space since... 2005. Um, my first job out of college was with a company that was an early adopter of Eloqua. They were literally like customer mm-hmm. number five, six, something like that. Um, so this is the only thing I've ever done in my professional career. So wow, yeah. And and you you said you are the director of marketing infrastructure yes. at Fidelis. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's actually the first thing I wanted to talk about today, mm-hmm. um, because. I, honestly, and maybe I, I haven't seen enough, but uh, marketing infrastructure itself, I found kind of interesting. Can you tell me a little bit about what that is as a department and like what you're doing for marketing infrastructure? Because I'm seeing so many people talk about things like RevOps and MarkOps and all of this. Where does infrastructure sit there? Yeah, so actually, I'm not sure if I've seen other people with this title. I may be the first. I don't want to toot my own horn here. Um, okay. But when I was up for promotion, um, you know, my traditional role has been kind of marketing operations and, and that kind of title and space. And I think and I had the feeling that my job encompassed more than that um, per- personally. And um, it seemed like infrastructure was more of the right alignment for what I was actually doing at the time and what I currently do now. So infrastructure, my job role encompasses the website infrastructure, the marketing tech stack, uh, reporting and analytics, SEO and our digital advertising. So those are the things that I own under my uh, current role. And the reason why I wanted it to be more than operations and sort of revenue ops is because one of my biggest sticking points, if anyone's ever listened to me speak about anything ever, is that I don't love it when marketing operations is tied to revenue generation. Um, It's one of my like, Mm -hmm. I don't like that because um, in my opinion, the entire company is responsible for revenue, not one department and certainly not one department within a department, which is operations inside the marketing department. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, and I don't like it when our campaigns per se are dependent upon revenue because marketing, in my opinion, is the communication of value. You're naturally giving. You're naturally a service department that's not necessarily mm-hmm. about getting money um if you do your job correctly people will give you their money <laughs> that's kind of how, like, how <laughs> i, I, uh, I kind of think about it and approach it so um i'm not going to sit here and like get on a soapbox and act like i'm not responsible for a revenue quota and my department never tracks <laughs> it that's not what i'm saying <laughs> we definitely are and we definitely do um but the way we approach it is slightly different um and like i said i think from operational p- standpoint and just from that purview of looking at our campaigns and how we build them and how we approach them. I'm more in, in, 
owners have more ownership over the structure of it and the process mm-hmm. of it than if it's going to lead to revenue or not. Like I said, if I'm doing my job and Demandgen's doing their job and Creative is doing their job and you know Comms is doing their job, well then we're all going to make money, right? Yeah. Um. So that's kind of the approach to to the infrastructure part of my job. So is your your and I'm interested in this because I think that there's a pendulum that swings of marketing's on the hook for revenue. Marketing shouldn't be on the hook for revenue. Mm-hmm. Some of what marketing does should be on the hook for revenue. Mm-hmm. I heard the other day someone say that um, brands should not be tied to revenue. Mm-hmm. Brands should just exist. And and the number of people that so vociferously agreed and disagreed with that, um, I think I think you if you could bottle that energy, mm-hmm. you could power LinkedIn.com for seven <laughs> years. Um, so, but, I, but I'm interested. So you said, you know, marketing, mm-hmm. ops, marketing infrastructure. Yeah. Don't tie it to the revenue. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me just broader? Yeah. Um, we talk about you know marketing versus sales. Where do you see as as what marketing is then responsible for? You had said yes. Uh, what is it? Uh, controlling value yes. or, or, or communicating across value. value. Yes. Communicating value. Mm-hmm. I knew I knew it was it was, it was a word to start mm-hmm. with. See, uh, uh, how do you see things fitting within that, and then who's ultimately responsible for? Sure. What? So the the short answer. I'm going to jump to the answer to that question, which is the company is responsible for revenue. The entire business is responsible for revenue. That's the answer to that question. Um, And the marketing has tradition. This is why like marketing is women and sales is men and that block, you know, Mm -hmm. archetype or whatever, because marketing is about communicating. If you go into a company and they have a marketing problem, they have a communication problem. Right. Uh, And if you go into a company and they have a sales problem, they have a problem with relationship building traditionally. Right. So yeah. sales, building relationships, marketing, communicating value. You do those things together effectively, you're going to make money. Um, so it's like who's resp- like if if you go into a company, everybody know, like if I say like if I if I'm marketing a product that's garbage and that people hate, are you going to make? I can market it till I'm blue in the face. I'm not going to make any money. Right. Yeah. So it's just like it, the notion that like marketing is responsible for this quota is kind of ridiculous <laughs> like and i get but i get where it comes from like marketing spends money that's what we do it's just like a black hole of like you spend a lot of money and a lot of times we've not been good communicators and not communicate effectively so our money goes into a black hole and you have to stop that mm-hmm. but the way that you stop that is not like you know tracking everything the the prospect or the lead does because that annoys the crap out of the lead and they don't want to deal with that. <laughs> uh, the way yeah. you do that is by understanding the customer, um, communicating with them effectively, offering them value so that they do want to come back and engage with you. And I know that's easier said than done. It sounds like, oh, wave a magic wand, just communicate effectively, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, but the reason why most companies fall down is because they think that communicating is just talking at people. Like if I'm able to sell you Right. And like, you know, use a bunch of buzzwords that I think you'll like, then you'll buy from me. And that's not communicating. Communicating is actually listening. Right. That's the majority of communication is listening and listening effectively and listening with empathy. Um, and that's the part that we need to work on a lot uh, with our customer and our customer set, because they tell us what they want all the time. Right. If you were listening to your com- customers with empathy, you wouldn't have a trillion forms on your website. You know, they don't want to do that. <laughs> you wouldn't like have pop-up ads every five seconds, right? If you were listening effectively and with empathy. Um, and I'm not, again, like, I don't want to be here. Like you, you know, go to our website and act like we don't do these things, right? I got a master to serve yeah. to as well. But 
there's a time and place for a lot of these things. And there's a buyer's journey. Um, and when you apply certain tactics within the buyer's journey is what makes it effective. So I'm interested in what you said about, you know, uh, marketing is, is communicating value. Uh, sales is forming relationships. I think, I, I think we're, we're coming around to the idea that companies have marketing problems, but I think for the last 10 years in mainstream, it, it, it's, if you're not making enough money, you have a sales problem sure. and it's, and it's all sales. When, and do you have guide points for you? You walk into a situation. How do you know if it's a sales or a marketing problem? Like, what do you look at to say, oh, this is a marketing problem or no, the, the marketing's there. The value's there. People get it. We're having a sales problem, like, because we can't form those relationships. Uh, yeah. How, how do you see that? It's a great question. And um, it, it's a feeling. It's like, how do you know if something is art or pornography? Right. Like he is not like okay. a straight definition. I ask the government money. <laughs> <laughs> know it when you feel it. And people know when they're getting sold to and when they're being guided along and, you know, you know, giving an effective message. I feel like one of the issues with sales is like, is it take? We've all been in these sorts of organizations where sales feels like take, 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 gimme, gimme, gimme. And there's not a lot of exchange going on. Right. And there's not a lot of up upfront offer like a lot of good sales teams you you'll notice um that they give first and then take later right like the first is let me give you something offer you something something free something free of value time effort not always something monetary right and then in exchange later when i deem it's necessary or that you're in the right spot for that offer i'll offer you something right so mm -hmm. there's an the, the the a proper exchange right a value is probably when you know you have a good sales team when you don't so if i like oh i'll give you a 20 dollars gift card for this meeting or something and then i just hammer you every five seconds with a bunch of emails and bombard you that's not a good sales team right but if i mm -hmm. offer you a 20 dollars gift card and then six months later when i see that you're perusing the website or that i'm using a bombard or some other tool that you're now researching for you know, something in my uh, industry or some other product set that I offer, and then I reach out to you and you remember that I offered you that, that olive branch of value. That's a proper sales exchange, right? So like we, mm -hmm. we, we know these things, but the demand on the business is so heavy that we skirt them because, you know, someone's breathing down my neck, who's breathing down their neck, who's breathing down their neck and, you know, shit rolls downhill. So. <laughs> that, that, that was an alternative name for this podcast, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so what, the, you know, the, where I, I don't push back on that, but I, I wonder because sure. I agree with you from the idea of communicating, portraying, and then, and then giving value mm -hmm. in the short term, the medium term, how do you know if that's working? So that when I say working, yeah. I, because I can give so much value, I can give an incredible amount of value and, and never make money. Uh, but it, it seems like I've, I've, I've communicated value. What do you look for in the, in the, in the meantime, in the, in the first six months, in the first four or five, six months to know if the give first, take later is, I is going to, to show I think that mentality may be part of the issue, right? Like if you take some high end brands, I'll just take like a Nordstrom, for example, like how does, sure. is Nordstrom able to charge what they charge for same, basically the products that you can get at Macy's or JCPenney's or anywhere, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. again, I don't think they went, you know, let's have, they went, you know, free returns. Let's make this the, uh, a pleasant customer experience. 
I don't have a bunch. When I walk into Nordstrom's, I don't have 15 counter girls in my face asking me what I want to buy, what I want to do. You know what I mean? But I willingly hand them a chunk of money for this purse (laughs) that I know I could probably get somewhere else cheaper, right? That's user experience. And that's a, a, a communication of value. When I walk in there, I know it's going to be a pleasant experience and that I'm going to enjoy being in that environment and that I'm not necessarily going to get hounded um, for making a purchase. You know, I think that sometimes it's like the, the customer doesn't work on your, your time frame. They don't think in six months, nine months that such and such company has to meet their quota. Right. They don't mm-hmm. care. <laughs> um, we can't force force people to do anything. Right. I don't have a um, we can't say that, you know, someone's going to purchase our product in six months or something if it's working or not. Right. I think the the unit of measurement is kind of the real thing that's value is something you can't measure. And that's the problem. And that's where a lot of us fall down. I actually did a presentation on this back in October, um, actually on the things that actually matter to customers, the things you can't measure at all, right? It's like, um, if they talk to their friends and families and colleagues about the product, right? Uh, If Mm -hmm. they um, are um, engaging on, you know, Reddit forms or, yeah. you know, these other forms where it's not like, it's not easily free to I track. saw the other day that like the best and absolute worst thing for marketers is people taking screenshots. It's like the best because they, they love something enough to share it. It's the worst because you'll never know. You never know. Exactly. Is it the worst? Do you have to know everything? <laughs> Do we have to know every breath that somebody well, well, takes? I, and and I'll, I'll tell you just from, <laughs> so for you take Nordstrom, for example. So the answer is to take like $85 million in financing and then wait. Yes. And then because and, and so the issue is it, it's a very it's it's a hard issue of like, so how long because you and I, I think you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. The customer does not work on any timeline that you want them right. to. Right. You can have like an average buying cycle, but that means nothing. Right. Like no. effectively. No. The issue is then how how long and, and, and maybe it's person to person I, I looking for the how long do you have to run in the red? Like, I really like your Nordstrom example because. Yeah, you can say like it's closed, right? If after 18 months this thing isn't working, it's probably not going to right. work. Right. But I would say that Nordstrom has other markers where they're confident in the approach that they're taking, right? I, that's what I'm saying. I, I feel like it, Nordstrom probably has done extensive enough customer research and value markers to know that mm-hmm. their bet's going to pay off because they know their audience inside and out based on sentiment, not based on tracking their web behavior and all this other stuff. They probably sat in a room and talked to their ideal audience and went, is this what you want? And then gave it to them. Like, that's why I always, it's just like we do the hardest thing and we don't do the easiest thing, which is just ask our customers what they want and then give it to them. It's like, we just want to skirt around and track everything that they ever do online, which half of that stuff is arbitrary and means nothing instead of just being like, "Um, do you like this or that? Do you want this or that? And then just giving it to them, right? Like, and and that's where I, I think we what enables where we want to focus more of our time. What, what I'm pushing for is to stand up. Um, like we have customer advisory boards, mm-hmm. a little bit of what you're talking about, mm-hmm. and and then a lot of times like informal customer panels. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I what I'm thinking of is taking the idea of like decidedly not customer panels, like people that's that chose another platform yeah. over us. But like I know that we were we were close. You like the idea of what we do. Mm-hmm. 
do you mind if I can get your opinion on this? Sure. Like, what do you, because ultimately you're the one I wanted, exactly. like you, whoever you are. Right. How do I get more of that feedback? Exactly. Exactly. 100%. Right. Like that's the stuff we as marketers need to do and sit and listen and listen with empathy and not listen for keywords and like, you know, not mm-hmm. gotcha questions, but like leading questions that leads me to ultimately do the thing that I want to do and not really listen to you. Cause we all do that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and that's, that's why I don't listen. I just wait to talk. Yeah. And that <laughs> no. spoken like no. a man. <laughs> <laughs> that's another good name for a podcast, by the way. Anyways. Uh, so we, we talk a lot about communication. Something we had mentioned before uh, the episode mm-hmm. was you felt, you know, we talk about minding, the gap. Mm-hmm. We talk about the gap between sales and marketing. You believe comes down to a lack of effective internal communication, yes. not enough of it, but effective internal Correct. communication. One hundred. Can you t- tell me a little bit about but what that means? How well does marketing know sales and sales knows marketing? Like how well do you know what it's like to sit in the shoes of a salesperson day to day? That's a stressful freaking job. They're doing a lot. You know what? I get why they don't want to update Salesforce. Like, do you know how much pressure I have to have on my back? Number one, you know how much time it takes to engage with people, engage with prospects, prospects who don't want to listen to you at all. Go chase down C-level executives, have lunch with them, try to get them to get in your face. You know what I mean? Like, it's a Mm -hmm. lot of work. And then they go into marketing and be like, hey, all I need is this paper that tells me why our company is better than this. And marketing gives them a thousand excuses why I can't have it. Right. Like, it's just like (laughs) I'm asking you for the simplest thing and you can make it work. But you give me a ton of leads that don't even know who we are. You want me to call on them. They've never even heard of us. I got to dial a gajillion names. They don't remember going to that webinar a month ago. No clue. It's just like, what do you like? I want this simple thing. And you're asking me to do this insanely time consuming thing. And I have to like have a quota that's insane breathing down my neck. Like, does marketing really have empathy for what a salesperson does day to day? does a salesperson have empathy for what a marketer is doing? Like, do you know how much custom, like customers are everywhere. It's not like it was 10, 15 years ago where it's like, here are the three places that you can go. And then you go to a trade show and then like have this audience. It's like, they're everywhere. They're on every social platform, digital. They don't want to deal with us at all. They can smell us coming a mile away. No one wants to fill out these forms. It's just like, there's so much to do. It costs so much money. The company doesn't want to spend a dime on it unless you prove that the thing works and you don't know if it works because you haven't done it yet and can't prove it yet. So you don't have a thing. So it's just like the circle goes around and around it's like and i'm getting you these names the best that i can but i know that they don't necessarily meet all the criteria want to hand you a check right now but hello at least they've done something give me a freaking break like you know what i mean like how much does the other role know about the other's role again with empathy and understanding for the pain of that role like probably not a lot (laughs) uh, on either end we recently had uh, a Phil Brome on the podcast and he put it in an interesting way. I've, I've never heard anybody say uh, he he's in, he, he went from sales to product marketing. And he said that, that what most people don't understand is sales is 
perhaps the only people that is ever trying to, to get a company to do something that is potentially against its best interest. Mm-hmm. Like in your job, no matter what department you are, you feel like you're working in the company's best interest, even if the decision you're making or somebody's making is a mistake. Right. But as a salesperson, there are people at that company who legitimately don't want to buy your thing. Yes. And many times, yeah. e- even in a great sale. Yeah. So how are you going to work against someone's best interest? Is it an entirely other ball game? Correct. Uh, 100. That, so... Uh, let's let's think some bottoms up here is the you know when we, when we think if so if the problem is a misunderstanding of alignment because even thinking of your uh or misunderstanding of communication mm-hmm. thinking of your example you know it feels like hey i just need this small thing but the marketer gets a hundred of those a week and has no idea if anybody's ever using Correct. them so they could be like no I'd. so is like and i'm trying to think like do we do we switch do we buddy up do we like how how do we form effective communication how do we how do we start to grow that empathy we have to start listening and we have to start empathizing with the other person because again i don't anytime you're trying to commute communicate anything to anyone you have to start with do you understand my point of view if you don't start there you're probably going to hit up against a brick wall right like mm-hmm. you're going to get defensive or you're not they're going to assume that they don't understand and you're going to tune out so you have to come with, hey, I understand you're dealing with a lot. I understand here are your challenges. Here's where I'm coming from. And then you can do the magic word, compromise, right? Because <laughs> not all issues are going to get solved, right? But if you give me a little and I give you a little, we can make it a far way, right? And that's, mm-hmm. I think, what we need to start doing as a sales and marketing organization. I also think it's a tall tale sign. If, if you have sales and marketing struggles, but a successful organization, I don't necessarily think you're a successful organization, right? You're somehow... Mm-hmm overcoming, you know, a challenge somewhere and you're masking a bunch of issues. But if you have a successful sales and marketing team, you 100% have a successful company, right? 100% of the time. Um, So again, I'm always, I like to think in philosophical type of thinking. Like if you Mm -hmm. solve a big problem, every other problem becomes super simple. So that's why I focus on communication of value because if you communicate effectively, everything else is 10 times as easy, right? And, And again, I know it's like the big, it's a big, it's a hard thing to do. A lot of people cannot communicate effectively. It's not our, especially in this era, it's not in our nature to listen, <laughs> right? We're, yeah. we're in the me generation, the selfie, the self person. Like I'm the smartest person in the room. Listen to me. Let's see all my tweets, like in all my Facebook posts, let's look at my Instagram. Yeah. It's about me, me, me. Um, and we're not in the, in the nature of like, you know, listening and empathizing with other people. So it's a challenge 100%. But if you do it, a lot of the marketing, trust me, gets so much freaking easier, right? Like, because um, mm-hmm. you can communicate internally, externally with partners very well, so on and so forth, whoever you need to talk to for your audience. Like, how well do you know and understand your audience? If you know and understand them well and empathize with their needs, communication becomes ex- exponentially easier. It really does. You know, a thing that I, I used to do with with product and engineering teams that I think applies here too is that that helps communication is the idea of you know, one person speaks for however many time and say if you could do everything right the budget's not a matter right it's just the things that the people in this room could do and we have all the time what would we do mm-hmm. and and sometimes to understand someone's end goal like like sales versus marketing right. are probably going to want to do like like marketing what would you have the sales team do if you could do anything. 
or, and, and, and sales, what would you have marketing do? Mm-hmm. And this is, this is in a blameless environment, right? right? We're not trying to right, say, right, right. but like, what would you, because oftentimes it's just the idea that we think we want the same thing, but we don't. Correct. I was going to say to your point where you're going down that road, I would say, get them in a room and then have the other repeat what they just heard. Right. That's the yeah. exercise. Right. Now, what did you just hear me say? Right. So if they repeat back correct, correctly, then we have something. But normally people talk at each other, not to each other. Right. Like the, it gets interpreted incorrectly um, a lot of the times. So the, the exercise, I think, is get them in a room, have them explain what they really want and then have the other side repeat what they just heard. I, I like that idea. I'm uh, uh we we need we need to come up with that. That sounds like an improv game that I never played. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so so okay, so it's so it's internal communication is is the uh the cause the cause in many ways of the gap. Yes. Uh, it, other than uh, I would say I would say forced listening time mm-hmm. is how I would say it for now. We're gonna cut. We're gonna we, me and you are gonna market a better name for it. Um, yeah. but but aside from forced listening time, any go to strategies any things to check out right now that you think if you if people are feeling sales and marketing strife I, i'm gonna call i'm gonna call that a bucket yep. uh, right of like oh we're just having these issues because yep. i know so many companies just feel like they could be doing better there do you have a tip you'd say oh go do go do this thing or it was just finding ways to more effectively listen it's going to be around communication because again i think that's the the number one thing you can do i think all the other exercises are just band-aids until you figure out how to communicate effectively but around effective communication so one thing that i was always told uh from the beginning and i think that every marketing operations is told about how to work with sales is go find your champion there's always that one guy or gal (laughs) that will just take any help they could possibly get for anywhere and not that they're necessarily Mm. like the you know the gonna dullard exactly but (laughs) but that person is the worker right that's the worker bee right just i'll try anything i'll take help from anywhere which also signals something about that person's personality that that kind of go-getter i'll try it i'm open you know whatever um and they're open to talk, right? They're <laughs> normally like chatty Cathy's too as well. Um, so it's just something about that personality archetype that I like um, to mm-hmm. work with as well um, because they're great for feedback too, which is what marketing needs a lot. Sometimes, you know, uh, sales doesn't want to hurt our feelings. You know what I mean? We're just, you know, such... What sales people are you working with, Moni? M- Moni, they, no. It's more like, you know how guys don't want to see girls cry? Like they want to tell them the uh, yeah. truth, but they don't want to make them cry. It's like, okay. sometimes you got to cry because you got to get that emotion out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like what mm-hmm. men don't also understand about women is like, yes, we cry, but we also get over it pretty quick. You know what I mean? It's just like the tea, let the tears flow. And then, you know, yeah. like let's blow our nose and like figure out how to move on. So yes, you'll, you'll hear that, you know, you know, I don't like these leaves or they suck or whatever, but that's not feedback. That's just how you're feeling. Feedback yeah. is like, this wasn't good for these reasons. You know what I mean? This is what yeah. I, when I called these people, this is what they told me, right? Like that's feedback and that's constructive versus I don't like this. I, there's nothing I can do with that. That just sounds like your feelings. Uh, you know what I mean? Right. <clears throat> so that's part of it too, as well. And I would say like, and I, one of my biggest key to marketers is like, go 
like you have to go know your audience. So like when I'm telling them for ex external communications, especially when like some marketers say like, uh, especially in operations, we actually tend to be introverts, right? <laughs> like we don't not like very extroverted people, which is like um, kind of backwards for marketing. But if you want to go know your audience and you're too timid to go talk to them or whatever, it's like um, I, I was listening to like one professor or something's like, go read like 10 publications that that audience goes and, and looks at or consumes and then mm -hmm. pick out the common uh, terminology that you see over and over and over again, right? Uh, that's one. Or do that same exercise and just highlight the keys that stand out to you. Like, this is what I learned about this, or this is what I liked or whatever. Because um, then you'll kind of uh, also, probably that audience kind of likes that kind of verbiage too. So the way that they speak or this type of value that hit you too as well. Um, that, that's exactly we did. We did a, a blog post with uh, Kristen Tindall mm -hmm. uh, a few weeks ago, and she said the most important thing is you need to understand your customer. She called it the customer's mental model. Mm -hmm. Of she's like because it's going to be different. Even mm -hmm. if you know everything yes. about your, it's going to be different than yours. Um, and, and she said like it's the words they use. Yep. And in her, and she, she was in digital marketing. Hers was highly tactical of take those words and start bidding on them on Google mm -hmm. because that's what they're looking for. Correct. And, and that's in a tactical sense. But even, you know, if you zoom out to what you said, the benefit to, you know, like, like you said, there was a lot of, of really cool things about having three places to go get customers 15 and more years mm -hmm. ago. Like that, that was cool. Like I go to the trade show, I better walk away with customers because right. if I don't, I'm screwed. The cool thing now is I can see what all my customers are reading. Like, right. you know, like not their bra, but it, on LinkedIn, on yes, Slack, and yes. all this stuff. And, and there's so much more information yes. there. Which it's just energy and time to, to use it. Exactly. And, and someone has to prioritize that. Exactly. I also like um, day in the life. I got sucked into like a day in the life videos on YouTube. <laughs> so like, okay. and there's one for everyone. So I'm in cybersecurity. So it's like day in the life of a cybersecurity engineer, day in the life of a network security guy or whatever. And there's, there's one for dang near every inch. I'm sure there's day in the life of a sales guy. Right. And it's just that person um, with their day. And sometimes their day is not important. Most of those videos are not about their actual job. It's just about their life, like what they do, like cybersecurity engineers, you're looking at their environment. They're in dark rooms. They drink a lot of coffee. You know what I mean? They don't, they're mm -hmm. normally like isolated, you know what I mean? Or like they have some meetings here or there. It's mostly in front of the computer. What type of person, what type of mindset goes with someone who's in a dark environment by themselves a lot, drinks a lot of coffee, stares in front of the computer? What is that yeah. mental makeup like, right? That has nothing to do with cybersecurity, but just that person. What type of person is that, right? And now you're actually starting to get a whole framework of them as a 3D person and not just some like flat person on the internet, you know, that likes to go to Reddit and likes to look at anime. Dude, that's oh, so many persona exercises that like list five things. No, you're missing the force <laughs> for the trees. Exactly. Facts. Exactly. <laughs> Make this a whole free person, not just a title and a name and a company. So, uh, so we are, we are coming up on time. We're at 30 minutes. Uh, that, that's a, that's a hefty podcast. Is there anything you'd like to plug or give a shout out to, um, our viewers? So it's in the dozens of thousands. No, it's not quite, but um, <laughs> anything you'd like to point the people to, um, uh, uh, that you got going on? Uh, sure. So yes, I, uh, you can follow me at my name on all socials. So it's Moni, M-O-N-I, Oluide, O-L-O-Y-E-D-E. -E. Um, I do have my own website. It's called Mo Martech. 
Um, so, um, yep, uh, and I am teaching other marketing operations professionals how to do marketing operations. So uh, there's no school for marketing operations. Most of us just kind of fall into this role. Um, but there is, in my opinion, a process and structure for properly executing marketing operations, which is not taught. So uh, I will be doing that. So it's momartech.com. Listen, with a name that catchy, you have to believe she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so we will, if, if you're listening, uh, those those uh, resources will be featured on the podcast episode page. Uh, so you can find them there um, if you have any questions. Um, and I will say I've had, uh, we're going to have you back on again in the future to talk about uh, whether marketing ops should live under marketing or uh, a generalized operations function. I love uh, it. Because I, I'm sure we have a, a lot of thoughts on that. Um, I have a lot of but, thoughts on everything, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, a lot uh, and, and that's the final podcast uh, uh, title for today. <laughs> a lot of thoughts and everything. But um, uh, no, thank you so much for coming on, Moni. It's, it's been a pleasure to talk thank to you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been Mind the Gap, a podcast about sales and marketing alignment put on by Enablix. My name is Nick Zeke Lopez. Thanks for listening.